Hello, beautiful people. Quick question. Have you ever thought to yourself, I've been passed up for a promotion, but I don't understand why? Or I want to change in my career, but where do I even begin? We know we're not the only ones that have had these questions. And that's why we started this podcast. It's called Career Gems for the Journey. And we hope that as you listen, you'll discover some gems for your career journey. I'm Leah Murphy, and I wear many hats. I'll tell you about three of them. I'm an engineer by trade, a career coach, and an entrepreneur, all while working to stay happily married and raise three children. And my name is Alma Gordon. I'm a brand marketer, entrepreneur, and serial passion pursuer with a business approach to my endeavors, but always with a creative spin. And we're two really great friends that have supported one another throughout our professional careers. I mean, we've been through it all, and we're here to share some authentic stories, key successes, and setbacks. You're not going to want to miss this. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Career Gems for the Journey. We're so happy you're here with us today. This is Leah. And this is Ama. Welcome, welcome, welcome back if you are a returner. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. And if you're new to the episode, welcome. We are excited to have you here today. And you will recognize that we always say that we're excited because it's true and we're going to live in our truth. So um, today we are going to bring you such a tantalizing episode. We have a great guest. Ooh, gonna... tantalizing. That sounds like titillating. Yeah, look at that. Now <laughs> keep people engaged. Ooh, lean in, listen close. <laughs> um, so, but before we do, before we go ahead and check in and introduce our guests, I want to check in with you. Um, how are you feeling today? Feeling blessed and highly favored. Ooh, look at that. You better use the word. I know, <laughs> I know. It's where I'm at right now. It's where I'm at. I read a, a quote yesterday that I ended up posting that uh, reaffirmed that we are we're at some point of what we envisioned ourselves to be. So there's still room for grace and gratitude. And it says, it's important to realize that you are living inside one of your answered prayers while you wait for your next one. There's always a place for gratitude. So I held on to that from yesterday. So amazing. That is so amazing. I, I will not even follow that because <laughs> it kind of covered all the bases. There's really nothing else I need to add to that. And I will go ahead and get started and introduce our guests. So we are joined by the amazing Sean Glaze on this episode of the Career Gems for the Journey podcast. Sean, do you mind saying hi to the people before I read your bio? Hello, hello, everyone. It's so good to be here with y'all. Awesome. Okay, We're excited so, to have you. So full disclosure, Sean and I actually connected via Clubhouse in the Black LinkedIn is thriving clubhouse room, which is dope. LinkedIn? LinkedIn. We need a whole episode around LinkedIn. LinkedIn, you know what? <laughs> and we got some people, right? Sean and I have been in rooms with some amazing architects and resources. So good. Pulling together some dope stuff on Black LinkedIn. And that's how we got connected on Clubhouse. And then since have been, you know, keeping track of one another on LinkedIn and on uh, other platforms and thought it was a great opportunity to bring Sean on the episode to talk about the work that they're doing. So just to get into the bio here, um, what happens when you mix a grant strategist, data nerd, and someone passionate about social justice and reaching diverse communities? Sean, 
Sean Glaze is the Chief Consulting Officer for Inclusive Data LLC. With over 10 years of research and grant experience, Sean has a proven track record of helping people move resources into black and brown communities, y'all. This past year, they've helped people win over $10 million in grants in a year, in a year. Yep. Welcome, welcome, Sean, to the episode. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And y'all, if you can't tell, I am from Texas, so I will say y'all. And for those of you who are listening in, I do use they, them pronouns, and so that was not a grammatical error. <laughs> and I'm super excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. You are welcome. Um, we're excited that you are here. So we riffed a little bit before we started the episode, and mm -hmm. um, we'd love to hear just a little bit about your background, Sean, and how you came to do this work of grant writing and start the business to help others do the same. Sure. So for me, grants and research always kind of went together. Ever since I was a small child, I knew that I was either going to be a scientist or a doctor. <laughs> and uh, when I became, let's see, it's probably my senior year of undergrad, I realized it was definitely research. Definitely research was going to be my path forward. I had studied underneath a professor who specialized in understanding uh, you know, how children made sense of race and gender. And I was just fascinated by that. And it's like, you know what? I'm gonna you know, go to grad school for research. Um, during my master's, I apprenticed underneath a fantastic grant writer and learned the tricks of the trade. Um, it's a lot of science and also a lot of art. There are a lot of little things that people don't usually think about when they're applying for grants, like the role of relationships when you're um, going after these large awards. And um, from there, I've just been hooked ever since both the research bug and the grant bug um, bit me hard. And in this last year, I really did both. Beginning of 2020, I was my city's data advisor for our Department of Education and Early Learning, looking at equity data. But by May, after the horrific murder of George Floyd, I knew that there would be a lot of investments going to target Black and Brown communities, but that the funders weren't any better at finding us on the other side of the pandemic kicking off than they were before. And so I really decided to launch my company in May. And by September, we really ramped up and started in the grants arena. So I've been going after grants for a little under a year and we've passed the 10 million mark. And it's all about just doing some good research and helping people build strong relationships. That's super awesome. And I, I, if I remember correctly, as I was doing my LinkedIn research, are you um, working on a doctorate or do you already have a doctorate degree? Oh man, I tell you doc students hate this question. Um, <laughs> I am so, so, so close to finishing my PhD. It should be December of this year. Should my advisor you know, sign off on it, which will be fantastic because I'm sick of that question and I'm ready to be done. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel, Sean. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> it was not an attempt to be triggering. It was an attempt to acknowledge your dopeness, right? Thanks and a lot, the Leah. Thanks which a lot. You we take guess that experience. is already, no, just kidding. <laughs> it's too late. Now I got to back, back out of it. Um, so awesome. Awesome. Congratulations on your impending finishing your doctorate. And then tell us a little bit about, um, especially we're thinking about entrepreneurs, right? Thinking about this specific audience and who may be listening to this episode. And we're trying to give them some really concrete understanding of a little bit of the grant writing process 
And then you mentioned relationships and like how those relationships tie into the grant writing process and of winning the awards. Because at the end of the day, right, people want to get the money, right? So we're trying to help people get to the money. Um, So we're, you know, bringing you on for this conversation today so we can help our listeners learn more about getting to the money. So give us give us the game that you got for us. Sure. I think the first thing I'll let you know is that a lot of entrepreneurs count themselves out of grant money before they even get started. They do that by saying things that aren't true, like only nonprofits can get grants, false. (laughs) Only big businesses can get grants, false. There's no money out here for a startup, false. And so there are a lot of just misconceptions people have that make it unlikely for them to even start to apply. So just want to start by busting those myths so that people can um, get ready to get their mind right so that they can apply for these grants. The second thing I let people know is that You know, one of the things that uh, a lot of new people don't realize is that you can get grants without having to write, really write a full proposal for them. Now that I would love to dig into. (laughs) (laughs) Right, listen carefully. Um, I won't give you all the the tips, but some of the really easy ones. Um, So the first easy one is collaboration. So if you collaborate with someone that has a grant writer or someone that loves to write on their team, that's an easy way to do it. Um, so one really good example I have is last Monday, we got a $1.5 million award from the National Science Foundation. And that grant is actually a partnership between universities, uh, for-profit business, and several nonprofits. The uh, co-PIs on that includes a for-profit Black-owned business. It also includes a primarily Black-serving institution of higher education. And that grant, I know that we were able to win that because it was a really comprehensive proposal. The work that they wanted to do was so well-rounded because it had a little bit of everybody in there that was really successful. $1.5 million. Man, that sounds like a lot of money that could help a lot of people. So when we think about the steps that it would take to get there, Let's talk a little bit about that. I'm like ready to dive into. So how, like, <laughs> what, like, what exactly, I mean, from, from the very beginning, because ever since we got the feedback, you know, from listeners around highlighting the gems that we're dropping, repeating them and mm-hmm. being sure that we outline that, I, I like to get as detailed and specific as possible. So where do you start? You know, how do you find someone like you or find another company, group, organization to collaborate with? Good question. So I actually cover a lot of this in my class. I think the first thing that people should know. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's stop for a second. (laughs) You teach a class, (laughs) right? (laughs) And then this podcast, we want to make sure that all the resources are highlighted as well. So everybody, Sean teaches a class. We will include in the show notes how to uh, take part or find out more information about the grant writing class. Okay, proceed. (laughs) Sure. And so I'll start with that actually. So I do teach a class called Grant Slayer Academy. It is my whole playbook on how we've gotten to the $10 million mark um, under a year for black small businesses and black nonprofits. It includes everything from, you know, where do you start as a beginner? How do you get your paperwork in order, which is often a step that beginners want to skip over because they just want to get to the bag, but then they end up discovering there are many bags, there are, there's a lot of grant money, oh no, and become overwhelmed. So 
we start with just getting ready. That includes getting your DUNS number, which you may also have already gotten as part of getting your business credit, your SAM.gov, which will allow the government to contract with you for services. So you service-based businesses out there, you definitely want to get your SAM.gov. That's the System for Awards Management, SAM.gov. And then after okay, that, what's the DUNS? You said DUNS number? Yes, DUNS. Your DUNS number, D-U-N-S, which a lot of people, I will tell you, a lot of our community members don't know about the DUNS number until it's like a little late. Um, it stands for the Dunn and Bradstreet number. People usually just call it DUNS or D-U-N-S. Um, my tip there, though, is even though there's a website, you Google it, do not pay for it. DUNS is something that is free. They do have a for-profit arm where you could buy it. Don't do that. Instead, um, go through the process like you're applying for a grant. Let the DUNS website know that you're looking to apply or become a contractor for a federal grant, and it'll be completely free. Uh, the DUNS number is your portal to business credit. So for those of you who are thinking about financing options, you're going to want to start building your business credit as fast as possible. And the DUNS numbers, kind of like your social, um, except it's just for credit and for grants. So that's the first step. After you get your DUNS number, you get your SAM.gov, which allows you to do contracts, to get paid out by the government. You're going to want that. And then your third step will be to get your grants.gov account, which again is somewhat involved, but it allows for you to find federal grants. So it's not helpful for finding your city and your state grants, which are a little easier to get, but it is helpful for finding those federal words, which are typically much larger. So one concrete example I'd love to share with the audience is we have an upcoming deadline for a grant that's due in December of 2021. Yeah. And December 2021, there is the Connecting Minority Communities Pilot Program. It's a $268 million grant that will be given out across the United States to connect Black and Brown people to internet, especially low-income Black and Brown people to internet. It includes money for the internet and devices and hiring and training people. And I've been talking to a lot of nonprofits as well as institutions of higher education and even some businesses about creating some collaborative proposals so that they could go after this money. So when I think about a beginner getting started, a beginner by themselves really shouldn't be going after these like $200 million awards. That's, that's silly, right? But you can be part of an application and find yourself able to get grant money that way as long as you're making good partnerships. So learning about who the players are for particular funding opportunity in some cases, it'll be limited to an institution of higher education. Other cases, maybe a nonprofit. Sometimes it's open. Find out who's eligible and then really plan out from there who you're going to try to build relationships with. Two key strategies there. Two key strategies there. One, stay local when possible. So find out who's already in your community. These are people who are likely you know, reading local newspapers or checking out local news. You're going to want to use that to your advantage, so start local. And then the second thing is really look at your network. So using websites like LinkedIn to find out who your one or two connections away from can be really helpful when you're trying to spark a conversation with a potential partner or funder. Did y'all get that? Did y'all get that? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm taking my own notes, staring 
with interest because this is all new news. And I'm going to use y'all today also in this episode. Y'all don't understand. I have been going so hard trying to, you know, get funding for my business through the grant process. So everything that Sean is mentioning is super critical, right? It's actually making me look at it from a different lens because part of the challenge, which I'm sure I'm not alone, is feeling overwhelmed, right? And then you're like, you know what? Oh, forget it. I'll just get, a, I'll just get alone, right? Mm-hmm. But I am, I'm really weary about getting so much debt early on before I have established steady flow of revenue. You know what I mean? You know, I'm, right. I'm only a year in, in my business. So okay. if you're an entrepreneur listening to this episode, I think that suggestion or, you know, recommendation to collaborate is one worth writing down. And if you skipped it, go ahead and rewind back to that and jot those notes down. <laughs> I love that. Yes. And, you know, it makes a huge difference to have someone who knows what they're doing, helping and supporting you. So of the 10 million, over 10 million that we've gotten for Black nonprofits and Black small businesses, by and large, most of that money was for teeny tiny small businesses and small nonprofits. So operating budgets under $100,000 a year. Many startups who, you know, started in 2020 or during a time where there's really not much explicit startup grant money for people because a lot of it got sucked up by COVID. That said, there's still a lot of money out there. It's just not labeled for startups. And so if you're new, you might Google grant money for startups and you won't be able to find anything. That's a really good point. So if, if that's not what you should Google, what should you Google? Well, the first thing you should know, good question, is that 90% of foundations don't have websites. So if you're relying just on Google, you're not going to get very far. The Wait, second thing- hey there, Sean. Like that's major. That is really a major key, right, to this. And maybe why a lot of people are on the outside looking in of this grant awarding opportunity, right? They don't even realize that they're not searching in the right place to find the access to the fund. So I'm sitting on the edge of my seat here for your next recommendation. But what Mm -hmm. you said there was Googling may not get you there if you're doing the grant search process. So tune in, lean into the speaker. Yes. Thank you for that. I guess it's so obvious to me at this point that it's good to slow down there. 90, 90% of foundations do not have websites. So this is just one way in which you can tell the system's not designed for our communities. This means that relationships matter. This means that being able to work with someone who knows what they're doing is going to save you a lot of time. And so what I like to tell people is um, a couple of things. One, there's a lot of grants you can find for free, but you do need to know where to look. If you are stuck with just Google, um, which I don't think you are, but just in case, then at least make good use of um, what I've always called the tilde key, which is to the left of the number one on your on most keyboards. It's a little squiggle key. That key with, the, with a word like fund, for example, um, will help you really hone in on words related to that. So you're gonna get grants, funds, foundations, things like that with the squiggle key. 
Um, just in the same way that quotes numbers down your uh, search to something that matches that exactly, that squiggle key is going to do the sort of the opposite. It's going to give you as many sort of synonyms and related terms as possible. So that's the first thing. Look um, at you, Sean, speaking my language with SEO, with yes. exact match, broad match. Yes. <laughs> Negative keywords. <laughs> and Sean didn't even know. Yeah, that's smart. I teach digital marketing. So I'm like, wait a minute. Ah, if you teach digital marketing, and if we have any digital marketing listeners, I will tell you there's a lot of overlap between grant search strategy and digital marketing. Um, you really just need to, um, for those of you who aren't familiar, it might be a little bit of a learning curve. And so definitely want to put that out there. But that squiggle key, that's pretty great. The second tip I'll give you is that your local library very likely has a database that is the best, my favorite database for grant searches. This database is called Foundation Directory Online. It is global and is in most public libraries. And if your library doesn't have it, they may have a partnership with a library that does. And so check that out. Um, in many cases, they'll allow you to access it remotely, especially due to COVID. And they may also have exceptions if they don't typically do that. So if you call up your library and you're like, hey, I need access to foundation directory online, please. And they're like, well, we have it, but you need to come in person. Definitely ask them what their policy is for people with disabilities. Ask them what their policy is for people who have transportation constraints. Really find out what those exceptions are because there's often some type of loophole for people and you or someone you know in your community may actually meet that criteria. And so it never hurts to ask. For that same reason, there's actually two tiers for Foundation Directory Online. One is professional and one's essential. Professional is the best. Um, it allows you to see the grants themselves in addition to the funders and essential is really good for just seeing the funders. Um, and for the same, in the same way I just said, definitely ask questions. You may hear them say, we have access to, you know, essential, but not professional. Ask them if they have a partnership with a library that has access to professional. And you may find that through just asking a couple of key questions, you can access one of the most powerful grant search tools out there, which will allow you to search by date, funder, category, age, just about anything you can think of, keywords, type of funding it is, who it supports, businesses is this explicit category, um, and it's historical data. So you can use some of that and current, some of that to predict what the funder might be interested in funding in the future. So it's a wealth of knowledge that's likely free. And so please don't pay for grant searches <laughs> and please don't rely on Google because again, you're gonna miss out on a lot of opportunity. So Sean, you said so many things. Like I just, I was overwhelmed with all of the gems. I couldn't interrupt you at each one of the intersections because that would have just been bad taste. But <laughs> I mean, you really layered it in and went deep for folks, which is amazing, amazing. The listeners are gonna benefit so much from this. But tell us a little bit more about um, what are people, what do you find people are most afraid of or the mm -hmm. missteps, right, that people take in going through the grant process so that folks mm -hmm. are, if they're having, you started off with some of the myths that you, that need to be busted, but mm -hmm. go a little bit more to say, like, especially when you're talking about black and brown people, mm -hmm. right, and their thoughts about the grant process and what's kind of holding us back from really taking advantage of these opportunities, all this money that you're explaining is out there. 
Right. I think for me, I have a few thoughts on that. The first thing that I've noticed is one, we really do count ourselves out early on. We're like, oh, this is not something that's accessible for me or it's not, there's nothing out there. Um, the second thing is these systems really aren't designed for us. So I just explained earlier on how to get ready to apply for a federal grant. You need a DUNS, SAM.gov. You also need a grants.gov. Each of those processes could take a few weeks between each of those steps. Then you can finally sign in. And then the actual applications might be like 80 plus pages of things to read through. So it's really not designed with black and brown people in mind. And I'm just gonna speak for black folks because I'm black. Like, just like in my experience is I read these things and I'm like, these are, no one black wrote this. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I read them like, this is not how we talk about our communities. This is not how we talk about the impact we wanna have. This is not how we talk about the work we do. Um, and it is just layer upon layer of like systemic um, oppression, systemic racism. And um, I see that super clearly. And I talk to beginners a lot who may have dipped their toe into grants. They may have um, searched for grants on Google, landed on grants.gov and thought, this is where all the grants are. And we're quickly overwhelmed with the whole process. And what I like to tell people is, I was like, well, what you did makes sense because Google does prioritize grants.gov as a website. And it is probably one of the most complicated websites I've ever used. And I use websites all the time. It's really, really difficult to navigate. It has several video tutorials, but all of them are out of date. And so like quickly you become really frustrated and you, and a lot of times community members do just turn to other sources or they just try to make do without. And so the most important thing um, I've been really on, especially in the last six months, has been the value of collaboration. Even just having someone else that's going through um, what you're going through can go a long way in you not giving up because you can persist together, cheer each other on, support each other. Um, and then for me, when I was designing out my class, it's really like broken up because it's so overwhelming to apply for grants for the first time. And so it's like spread out over six weeks, really short content. But we also, we also have um, what I kind of wish I had, which is someone to go through different kinds of like coping exercises and like mindset exercises so that I'm not asking for too little money, which is another common thing in our community. We're just like, oh, I can make do with I don't know, like super small amounts for a business, you know, like maybe $2,000 or something, which yes, $2,000 will help you, but no one aims to, you know, close out the year with like a $2,000 revenue, right? Like that's silly. But all the time when we're going after awards, we're going after these small amounts or we're relying on sources that aren't actually going to pay off for the most part. Um, so there are a lot of grants, I'm putting that in quotes, um, that are out on social media that either aren't grants at all or they're completely lottery. And so they're going to pick someone randomly. Does that mean you should spend 40 hours on that application? No. It means that you should, if you're going to apply, prioritize making it as quick as possible so that you're not wasting your time. And for me, um, what I want a lot of people to know is that Sometimes there are people whose job it is to help you for free. So if you are looking at city 
or county grants, oftentimes those, those offices will have what are called technical assistants. Um, so they help people apply for grants. Um, they, will, they won't write your proposal. So I just wanna say that upfront, you can't just show up and be like, please write me a winning proposal. Um, but you can um, have them look over it, give you advice on the budget, help you understand the terms. Um, they are hired to serve you. And so make good use of your technical assistance at the local level. And then um, you may also find that if it's a foundation or a corporate, um, corporate funder, that they also have staff that can help you on your application. So that is also something that I think a lot of our I mean, how many of us are so used to doing it alone? I'ma just do it. Like, I'm just gonna do it myself. I got this, I'm strong, right? Like I got- Sounds like, all. sounds like a black woman to me. <laughs> right? Or we don't have time. We're like, I'm, do, I'm too busy, right? It's like, but mm -hmm. if you have a professional who is dedicated to your success, take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you mean a professional like you? Um, so I do do that. Um, <laughs> not typically for not typically for a city or a county government. I work a lot more one on one and on teams. Right now, me and my team are really focused on collaborative proposals. And so I love like getting people together and having them dream big. Um, one of the awards we got three weeks ago was for half a million dollars for everyone was volunteers before. They're all trying to create this program of sorts for community. And um, it was amazing to hear them start to dream like two you know, months before it was due. And they're like, oh yeah, we're gonna do this. We're gonna have like six staff and we're gonna you know, give, give out money. And we're gonna do all these things, right? And it's like, oh, that's great. And they showed me like their budget and their plan and they were gonna ask for $50,000. And I was like, this is, um, this is not at all close to living wage. Like this is not what you need um, to have this done well. And so we ended up um, putting together the full budget. A full budget for what they wanted to do would be closer to $2 million. And then we would, we have several grants that we're going after to get to that amount. So we won the first award, which is 500K. And then we'll be hearing about the next awards next few weeks. And so instantly they have 10 times more money than what they were planning to just by working with a professional person to say, hey, <laughs> No, you could actually ask and get a lot more for this if you are just willing to be a little bolder. It sounds like a full-time job. Like just applying the whole grant process sounds like a full-time job. And maybe I'm projecting because I feel like it's a full-time job. <laughs> I brought someone on my team specifically to do those things because I didn't have the capacity to do that and found a business and find clients and provide the quality services, right? And do the marketing, it was overwhelming. So what do you advise someone to do uh, when they have their business to run or build as well? I think it depends on what your priorities are. So if I think about just the most recent example, this is probably like two to four hours of their time. Uh, to get five hundred thousand dollars, you know. So Wait, what? This, How? Tell me, hold on. That's, so that's so <laughs> right. Listen, right. Listen, y'all. So if you collaborate, right, and if your collaborative partner is going to be the grant writer, there's some information they're going to need from you, but you're not going to have to sit down and like do all this stuff. 
And if you know how to do what we know how to do, then it's even less time. And even if it's like the average amount for people who are getting used to writing grants, which is about 40 hours per application, if you could get half a million dollars from 40 hours worth of work, like all I'm gonna say is that sounds like money well spent, you know? <laughs> like, but when you're new, when you're new, it's gonna take longer because you're gonna waste a lot of time just searching and searching and searching. And then from there, whittling it down, contacting the people and being like, am I eligible? Talking to them and then finding out, oh, I am eligible. What am I gonna write? You know, like there's a lot of time you waste just not knowing what the next step is. So it ends up taking you hundreds of hours, maybe instead of like the 40 or so that would take an average grant writer to put together a, a full proposal. And then the other thing I'll say is, you know, aside from collaboration with like a professional grant writer, what you might find is that um, the funds are going to come to, the funds are already going to be allocated to a third party. So if you have a very large award, it's pretty unusual for it to go to a very small business. It's more common that it'll go to a government. Maybe it'll go to an institution of higher education, maybe a hospital, but that they don't know how to get it to black and brown people. And so like, you'll have this thing where like your city will be like, we won this great grant. And maybe it's for something like COVID, which has a really quick turnaround. Um, but they're like, we have no idea how to find black and brown people. We don't know where they read things or you know where they congregate. And so they're often looking for opportunities to hire businesses and hire nonprofits to do that outreach. And so if I'm me, my business, I started in May of 2020. So I'm startup phase two, right? Like I'm same boat, trying to figure out how to make all this work. Um, and it's tough and I get it. And like, because I know that if you learn how to follow the money, then you won't have to waste as much time submitting your own proposals. And if you know that it's going to go to that, um, that um, school or that hospital, that's the money that you need, then you just have to develop relationships with that school or hospital, right? And then from there say, hey, here's a service I offer. I think this would be complimentary. And then they could decide like, hey, yeah, let's hire you. And then you have grant funded money funding your business through this like through this way where you didn't have to apply for anything, you'd have to read anything over. You just had to know that this person's gonna go for this money or this person's getting this money or this person's eligible for this money. And then you insert yourself in the right place, the right time. And how do we, how do we find, how do we get you? How do we hire you? Leah's yes. laughing. Yes. And so we are at inclusive data on all the socials. Usually people reach out to us via social media. I don't know if people really do websites anymore. I'm curious what you think about websites. I know my government clients do. They're just like, oh yes, website. But everyone else is on social media nowadays. Um, where, where we spend the most of our time though for a discount, because um, that's also something that our community really is like always hungry for. Tell me where I can get the discount. Um, is we have two online communities that people can go for like half off, sometimes more for our services or our products. They're both free. The first one is we have a Facebook group called Black Nonprofits Deserve Grants Too. We just started that a couple weeks ago. It's really taking off. And what I love about that group is not only is it a community of support, but it's a place where there's not too many people 
um, and we're all black. So like, we don't have to do the whole like, well, in my community, <laughs> in different communities, like blackness is not a, not a monolith, but you know what I mean? Like there's like little things where it's just like, you don't have to mm-hmm. explain, which I love. And then the second place that we're at is Black Joy Health Wealth Academy. Um, so that's a .com, blackjoyhealthwealth.com. And there it's really focused on businesses. And so we have um, a lot of free resources. We have a lot of discounts. And then we also have opportunities for people to promote. And so between those two spots, if you are looking for, if you're a Black person and you're looking for a space online to connect with us, those are the two. And if you're not a Black person, you can support those places by donating and by um, making sure that you amplify those accounts. Because honestly, historically and currently speaking, Black community, we're the ones who are disproportionately affected by these systems not being designed for us, these systems designed to hurt our communities. And so it's really important that allies show up and support this work as well. So Sean, you said two things. And as right before we wrap up, I just have to amplify something that you said, because it just sent me into the stratosphere. You said to work on mindset, right? Mm -hmm. Early on, work on mindset so that you can ask for more money. Mm -hmm. Like that is a really big deal, right? It's foundational where oftentimes we shy away from taking up a ton of space, right? Mm -hmm. Or we shy away from, you know, I deserve $52 million or $21 Mm -hmm. million, right? We're kind of just happy or satisfied potentially with whatever we may be given and i really Mm -hmm. love the idea that you know and my background is in coaching for positive psychology so using your own positive psychology to say all right what does the stratosphere look like right and if anybody is deserving of it it's me because i'm doing the work i'm invested in my business i'm getting great results for my clients or customers i'm a great collaborator right like really working on your mindset so that you're aptly prepared to take on these types of challenges but also to reap the rewards of these kinds of opportunities so really, really love that you talked about that and just touch on that for a bit. It's something that's very important to me personally and really important in my coaching practice. So mm-hmm. love that you brought that up. And I also love that the names of your groups and resources are so clear. Okay. Like here <laughs> and so direct. And so like, here's who I'm talking to. These are the people that I want to serve. These are the type of people that I want to collaborate with. These are the people I know other people are not talking to. So okay. I and my team and my community, even the way you're talking about community and black and brown folks, it's just the best. And I know you also have a deep background in creating opportunities within community. And we'll have to bring you back for another episode to talk about that. Um, But this has literally like, you know, it's just set a fire. I think it's reminding us right as business owners, as entrepreneurs, as aspiring business owners, there are additional ways that we can go about learning more to service our business and to partner with the right people, right? People like you and your organization and your team. Um, and also to, you know, if we're gonna spend the time on social, right? If we're gonna spend the time on on other platforms, use it for its highest and best use, right? Get on Facebook, right? And join Sean's group, right? <laughs> join your Facebook group or go online to the blackjoyhealthandwealth.com. Like what? How would you not wanna be at these places? It sounds amazing. <laughs> they sound exactly like where I would wanna spend all of my free time. So thank you so much for just introducing these resources and going so deep on your subject matter expertise. It has been amazeballs. Um, and Amma has been- <laughs> Amma has I have been, been, I have been Googling everything. This is what, I, what Amma has been doing. 
<laughs> right, which is an excellent sign, right? Like I'm watching Amma's eyes dart back and forth as she's reading the websites and like bookmarking all the sites. That's so exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, so, there are <laughs> so many gems were dropped in this episode, um, but I would love for you to just close out, Sean, and let us know. Tell us the most rewarding part about the work that you're doing um, and the impact that you're having by bringing this information, you know, creating a course that folks can buy and really skill themselves up. What's the most rewarding part of it or some a positive note that someone has sent you about their experience? Good question. Um, I like to tell people that relationships should always last longer than funding cycles. And so when I designed the course, it was that in mind. So part of the course design is to have people connect with each other, um, but they also get six weeks with me and my team and we help them build relationships and we talk to them about what's working and like, let's try this instead. And I think that's critical um, for our communities, especially our black communities. We have been forced apart for centuries systematically moved and separated and disconnected and harmed. And now's the time for our relationships, you know, that repair process to start and to grow and to amplify and to build a whole ecosystem, you know, with each other. And I think that has been by far the most rewarding thing is to hear people say, wow, I am able to really feel more rooted in my community. Wow, I'm really able to feel less alone. And before I was paying out of pocket for my business and for my nonprofit and for my, you know, all the things I want to do. But now I understand how to build that um, relational capital to get me where I need to be. So that's been incredibly rewarding for me. Thanks for the question. Yeah, I had to bring out my church fan because you went and yeah. really gave That's the fact right, right like, now, fanning. <laughs> I had to bring it out because you were giving a word, right? You were giving a word. What you said was absolutely true. And the first opportunity, right, for us to begin to trust and build these relationships with each other and collaborate and do these things that could transform the way we see business, the way the world operates today, and the way our voices get shared in these places. Um, you know, I'm really excited about the work that you're doing. I'm excited about the potential that it harnesses for businesses and other people to take advantage of working with you and leveraging your services. And I just really love the inclusivity of your work as well as your name, right? Inclusive data, right? It's <laughs> kind of the foundation <laughs> of it. So super, super, yeah. super amazing. This has been great. We appreciate so much you having um, joined us on this episode of Career Gems for the Journey. And we will give all of Sean's contact information and um, social media resources on the show notes. And if you are interested in joining that Black LinkedIn and Thriving Clubhouse group where we had an opportunity to connect and collaborate, we'll also put that in the show notes so that you guys can get all that um, good Black, your Blackness is enough and more. This has been amazing. I mean, this has been nothing short of educational, informational. Hopefully it was a little bit of entertaining entertainment also, but these are the gems that we like to share. So hopefully this was impactful really for whether you're on your professional corporate America career journey or entrepreneurship. I think all of us could take some learnings from what Sean gave us today. So I thank you it. guys for joining us for another episode of Career Gems for the Journey. We appreciate you guys riding with us. See you next time. Bye now. This was Amma Gordon and Leah Murphy. Thank you so much for listening. We hope this episode gave you some real gems that you can use on your own career journey. Come back for the next episode and be sure to follow us on social at Gems for the Journey on Instagram 
and career gems for the journey on LinkedIn. You can also email us at info at gemsforthejourney.org with any questions or comments you may have.